welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. What's going on in Israel? And because here's what you need to know, this is, this war, every single indication is we are on the brink of a major, the U.S. is sending more troops over there, more aircraft, more uh, air defense uh, missile shoot-down things that shoot missiles down. Other countries are making threats. What seems to be we're waiting for this ground invasion until Israel is, every indication, Israel keeps saying over again, we're, we're basically clearing out, preparing for a ground, I mean, it's, it's, we're on the brink, it seems like, of something major about to happen, and including the United States getting involved in this. And you will see from that more protest, more just civil unrest, more uh, hatred and uh, terrorist attacks even in our country. You've seen that even this past week from this, um, from this attack. And it's not going to go away. I mean, Israel doesn't ca- declare war, call up 300,000 soldiers, and put 100,000 tanks on the border ready to go in just for the sake of doing i mean they they have all intentions at least they've indicated that there there will you will never hear again from hamas uh from this and uh hamas is saying they're they're going to respond i mean they're i mean so you see the rhetoric in uh, other countries such as iran claim they're going to get involved so we could be on the brink of a major regional even possibly world war in the middle east right now now i say all this we pray that's not the case. This could fizzle out this week. I mean, we could, they could just start saying, well, we're not going to do anything. We've killed, you know, we've gotten who we really need. We took out the leadership. We're going to start pulling back troops. I mean, that could, I have, I have no idea. But based on the indications of what we're seeing on the troop buildup, it doesn't seem to be that way. If you're pulling out, you're not sending more and more troops and getting more and more missiles and, and uh, getting, it seems like everybody's now sending their stuff to the Middle East getting their positions ready for something to happen. So I share that because what's about to happen for us as Bible-believing Christians? Uh, there's going to be a question for all of us that will be addressed. And that question is going to be, what right does a country have to bomb another country? You know, here we are as Bible-believing country, Christians. Why, why do we need to go? Why do we need to be a part and say we support Israel or we support the United States and they're getting involved in a war killing people like what what right do we have to do that like where would that come from and the answer to that is this the answer is found in our bibles we're going to see where that right is actually revealed at right here so what we want to do is this goes back all the way to book of genesis you all know genesis is one of my favorite books of the bible i actually believe the book the first 12 chapters of genesis well really the first the entire 50 chapters of genesis can answer every single question our world is facing today. All of your answers are found in the book of Genesis. It really, truly, everything goes back to Genesis. That's how important the book of Genesis is. Because it's laying, it's, it's telling you the reasons for it. That's why we always seem like, every single sermon I say I preach, every Bible say I'm in, on Wednesday night, it seems like we're always going back to Genesis because that is your foundation for everything. And the foundation of government and of murder is also found in the book of Genesis. So 
This here is now the second institution the Lord created. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis. The scripture today we're going to be turning to, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 9, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20, and then we're going to also be in uh, Romans chapter 13. Those are our three chapters we're going, to, we're going to turn to. So go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 9. It'll be also up on your screen. So we're, we're answering the question here, uh, what, what right does a country have to do this? Who, ga- who gives a country authority? I mean, we talk about peace on earth. That's what we talk about during Christmas time. And here we are uh, getting ready for a, a massive war, it seems like. And I want to tell you, we have a generation. My generation, um, I've not seen something like, you know, Desert Storm, Desert Shield was close, but there seems to be a lot more countries involved in this looming conflict we have here. A lot of different players and factors are involved in this one. This isn't just us pushing out uh, Saddam Hussein from Kuwait and going in there and pushing out his army and then taking over Baghdad and managing Iraq and then just uh, making sure they are a, a good country, I guess so to say. And this isn't us just going into Afghanistan to look for terrorists hiding in caves like the tel- Taliban. This is, these are countries, and many of them have nuclear warheads, and they have big, uh, you know, they're, they're sending uh, massive rockets over there, aiming them in other countries, ready to shoot them at each other. I mean, it's, it's something where you could have thousands and hundreds of thousands of people pass away uh, very quickly in the Middle East. And, uh, and what we, we as Christians, we need to be prepared, okay, when that question comes up about why are they doing this? What authority does this come from? And I think understanding the role of government, that is the second institution that the Lord created, it gives us our answer. So you, we need to be able to know these questions, and that's what, um, how does a believer respond to a war? When we see these things happen, when we see the buildup, when we see the missiles, and the rockets, and the airplanes, and the bombings, what do we say? Genesis chapter 9. What happened here is this is right after the flood. God made a covenant, with it, which is the covenant of the rainbow, with Noah and his family. Those eight people got off the boat. Noah had three sons and their wives, and plus Noah's wife. Eight people were on the ark. They get off the boat. God sends a rainbow, the bow in the sky, to remind Noah, Noah, never again will I flood the earth. You will never experience this. The rainbow is not a sign of homosexual pride. The rainbow is a sign from the Lord that he will not flood the earth again. That's the purpose of a rainbow. It's actually, the rainbow is a great blessing. It's a reminder about God's covenant and his promise. So as much as it rains one day, if it's really rainy outside, it feels like it's going to flood, we take hope and comfort that God will not wipe out the earth by flood again. So they come off the boat, and the first few verses there, you see the first four verses, he has told Noah and his sons, I mean Genesis chapter 9, to be fruitful and multiply. Everything's under your authority. That means we as human beings, we have dominion over the animal world. And uh, you, have, you can eat um, anything you want. You can eat um, green plants. But then he goes on to say there 
in verse 4, you're not to eat meat with blood in it. That means if you're going to eat meat, do not eat blood. It's not healthy for us to eat blood or drink blood. We're not vampires. We're human beings. So we're not, God did not create us. If you're going to cook some meat, make sure there's no, don't get it too rare. Make sure at least you cook the blood out of the meat because the Bible tells us don't eat blood. And that's because the Lord, it's not that there's anything special about the blood or sacrilegious it's just it's not healthy for your body that's not what we're created to eat blood then we get to verse five and he talks about our our blood because remember why did god send the flood he killed off everybody because they were totally lawless and killing one another crime rampant immorality and it was it was the bible described it it was evil all the time the people were phenomenally wicked and it says and i believe it was more wicked than it is now during the time before noah you know we certainly are very aware of wickedness now and we see how immoral our world is but i believe before the flood it was phenomenally wicked and the god it was so bad he had to wipe them out but we pick up here in verse five and i will require a penalty for your lifeblood. So there's going to be a penalty, and it's required by the Lord. So here's the penalty. I will require from it, from any animal and from any human. So if an animal kills another animal, that animal is to die. But for us, we're not so much concerned about the animal world. We're concerned about other people because Jesus died for people. If because this applies to human beings, he says. If someone murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. Meaning, if you kill someone, if you, if you commit a, a capital offense, God is demanding justice. And that justice is their life. God is instituting what we call today the death penalty. He's saying, you kill someone, thou shalt not kill. You yourself, your life is going to be taken from you. And God did that for justice purpose, and it also serves as a deterrent. Because you then know, if I go and kill somebody, I would myself have to give my life for that person's blood. It's a form of justice, and it's a form of deterrence. You're not going to do it, and you're preventing that person from killing someone else. This is where government comes from. And the, our, our government is the one that executed, executes, uh, uh, fulfills this. Verse 6, look what it says here. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans his blood will be shed. And that would be your government. They're the ones that shed human blood. For God made humans in His image. And that goes back all the way to the book of Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. Human beings are created in the image of God. And when you go out and kill somebody who's created in the image of God, you're going to give your life for that, for that very purpose. So, understanding this, our, our government we have, the, the first role and responsibility of a government is if you're, you live in a country and someone comes in there and begins shooting missiles and dropping bombs and killing and makes terrorist attacks, somebody's trying to kill your citizens, the government has a responsibility 
an absolute right to prevent that because it's wrong. Because we, we, you, can't, you can't live in a place where you're in constant fear all the time from someone killing you. I mean, it's just not going to... The world wouldn't flow that way. There's, there has to be some form of justice and safety. And that's what God is instituting here. So he goes out and says, But you, be fruitful and multiply, spread out over all the earth, and multiply on it. You know, that's actually what, that was the sin. God told them to spread out on all the earth. Do you know where they all ended up in? In Babylon. They built the Tower of Babel. That's where they didn't, they didn't obey that commandment from the Lord. They came off the boat, and Noah and his descendants, they all end up in Babylon, which is in Iraq, and they start building this tower to the heavens. And that's where we get all the, got the languages from, because they didn't listen to the Lord. Instead of spreading out and being pioneers and exploring new land and having dominion over that land, they just all congregated in one little place. And God wanted them to spread out. People who live in the country always quote this Bible verse instead of living. Uh, that's why this is the one verse that supports country living. Who here would love to live in the country? Look at that. Almost as many people want to serve as greeters and want to live in the country. So that when it says spread out and multiply, you just... Go get you some land out in the middle of nowhere. Have a big family and have the farm and just say, I just live here and just live an easy life and um, not worry about other things. And just do whatever you want to do. Just live free. Live for the Lord. And that's what God is telling Noah and his family to do at this. So we see government is established right here. So flip over in your Bibles before we get to the passage in Romans. Flip over to the right to the book of Exodus because the law picks up on this. I want to look at two different, here we are, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. This is the Ten Commandments. The sixth, the sixth commandment is Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. God makes it very clear. The first, the first um, four commandments in the Bible are about our relationship with God. The next commandment is about you know, this is amazing. The Ten Commandments, the way they're laid out, actually, teaches us about, about everything. The first four commandments about us and the Lord. First one is we are to worship, we're to have no other gods before the Lord. Second one, we don't make an idol before the Lord. Third one, we don't misuse the Lord's name in vain. And the fourth one, we're to, we're to rest on the Sabbath to honor the Lord. The Sabbath day is our day for the Lord. We remember it because the Lord rested, we rest. So those first four commandments are all about our relationship with God. The fifth commandment, it goes in order. You know what it's about? Family. Honor your mom and dad. What's that, that first institution? So God, he lays out his plan, then he gets his first institution. And he says, honor your family. Commandment number five. The sixth commandment has to do with the second institution that the Lord created, and that's government. And look what the sixth commandment says here. Exodus 20, verse 13. Do not murder. That is why government had to be created. And the remaining commandments after that have to do with our relationships with one another. Our interpersonal relationships. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. And don't covet. But those were the latter parts of the commandments. Because the Lord knows if you can get the first four, the first four, Five or six, right? If you can understand your relationship with God, understand your relationship with your parents, your mom and dad, learning to grow up, understand your relationship that you can't kill folks, don't murder other people. That's respecting your government and fellow man, created the image of God. 
then all these other things should fall into place. But it starts here. But in that sixth commandment has to do with the government when it says do not murder. We're not to murder. If we do murder, we're to lose our lives. So keep your finger here in Exodus 20. Look, flip over one page to Exodus chapter 21. Because now we're going to start seeing the law uh, about murdering and what the consequences. Exodus 21, verse 22. Look what God told Moses here. We're getting to government here in a minute. When a man gets in a fight, when, a, when men get in a fight and hit a pregnant woman so that her child, so that her children are born prematurely, but there is no injury, the one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands from him. And he must pay according to judicial assessment. So if you beat up a pregnant woman and that child is injured, whether he's not injured or injured, Whatever happens, you are responsible. You can't beat up children in the womb. That also is why abortion is wrong. Because God is recognizing the child in the womb. If you kill or you injure a child in the womb, you are responsible for that. This is actually one of the, one of the best Bible verses about abortion. Why you should be pro-life right here. It's actually teaching us that we shouldn't hit children and injure them while they're in the womb. It goes on to say in verse 23, if there is an injury, then you must give life for life. So if you kill that child that's in the womb, if you injure a, a pregnant lady and her child dies, you must actually give your life. It's actually someone who kills a child in the womb is actually responsible, a life for a life. You, uh, you did that, you're going to lose your life. He goes on to say here, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. And those verses right there is, is, are telling us that one of the ways to prevent people from killing one another and the just payment is if you take someone's life, you're, you need to be prepared to lose your life because that's what's next for you. And this is the ultimate deterrent for all crime. If you knew you had great consequences to whatever happened, you would certainly think twice about doing something. And that goes all the way back to the government, and because this is the law here that Moses is receiving, and he's going to enforce this law on all the Israelites. And that law is based on what God gave Noah about establishing a government for accountability for murder went back in um, Genesis chapter 9. That's what this is based on right here. So keep going here in your Bibles, and now flip over to the book of, of Romans chapter 13. This is our main text we're actually going to come to today. Romans chapter 13. This is our Christian duty to the state, meaning we live as Americans here. We have a responsibility and it's one that we want to make sure that we uh, look at government correctly. And here, I'm going to tell you where we're going to go. I'm going to put it up here on the screen before we read it. We are to, so we have our government. And a lot of us, uh, we are, you know, it's very easy, easy to get cynical about government uh, because you've become corrupt and you see uh, all the things that are wrong. You can see that 
It's like the folks you send to Washington, they do the exact opposite of what you want and what you expect. And what they tell you here in Kentucky is not always what happens over there in Washington. It's like something happens the moment you start traveling east to Washington, D.C. They just change. You think, what's going on? Or if in the state, as they travel up the road to Frankfurt, it says, what happens to these people? They're this way, and then they show up there, and they're radically different. And it's easy for us to get frustrated with politicians and, and with government. But we have to remember, um, God is, he has created government, and we want godly people in government. We are to pray. I'm going to show you in a little bit. There's a Bible verse that tells us we are to pray for our governmental leaders. And we have to make sure that we honor them. And that this, we're, we're about to see a place where we get tripped up here. But the three things we're about to read is it tells us we are to submit to governing authorities. If someone who works at the government tells us what to do, someone who works for the state or for the federal government, we're, we're to submit to them. We're under their authority, and that includes our local police, local uh, laws, local rules we take. You know, one of the things in the church ministry councils mean we talked about is getting a new sign out there we we desperately need a new sign we've talked about it before we've got several quotes for that new sign we're going to get we have um here there's lots of zoning ordinances it's not like we're in the country here and um uh here in lexington we have zoning ordinances we have to follow and they're extremely strict on getting a new sign you just can't put anything you up anything you want i remember years ago i went on a mission trip to alzey county kentucky and in, in eastern kentucky and one of the ladies who worked there, she told me that they have no zoning or build, they have a building inspector, but she knows him and anything goes. You can just build anything you want. Now, I don't know if that was really good because everything's just falling apart, it seemed like, the way she was talking about. But there's, a, there's two different extremes on the building code. You don't want to be like Owsley County where you can just build whatever and just fall right through the floor. But then again, you don't want to be so strict that you can't even put a new church sign up at your church and because there's so many rules and re requirements on your sign on what you can do with that. But for us, though, as Christians, we are expected and have to submit to governing authorities. Number two, all authority actually comes. I'm putting these up here on the screen um, our, uh, while we're looking at government correctly. All our authority actually comes from the Lord. God gives authority. We have authority in the home. We have authority at church. We have authority at work. We have authority uh, among government, our, our mayor. I mean, people, uh, police officers, people have authority over you. So you, if they ask you to do something, you, you kindly you know, submit. You understand they, their desire should be what's best for you and the community or the city or whatever, the country, and you want to submit to them. And we have to recognize that God gives that type of authority. And thirdly, we are actually good citizens of a country or a land by paying our taxes and honoring our leaders. And, you know, and I want to tell you that when we get to this, we're about to see a passage about honoring our leaders, what it means to honor our leaders. And this is something a lot of us get tripped up of, including myself, because it can be very easy today, especially in the day of social media, to be very critical, almost mockingly, of political leaders because it just seems to be so uh, easy and casual to do that but the bible teaches us that we're to honor those leaders and we're also to pray for those leaders because here's the truth we vote for our leaders you know you can you can not agree whatsoever with anything what your 
elected official is doing, and you could vote, absolutely vote against them every single time you go to the poll. And, you know, we'll be going to the poll in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks here in our state. But you can still be respectful and honorable. Just don't vote for their policies. You don't have to give your opinion on every single thing. And that's what the Bible is about to teach us. And I think for us, leading up to the uh, consequence of war, a lot of times what we have to say when we see these crises going on in the Middle East, we have to be able to say, I don't know all the details of what's going on over there. Uh, I know there was a massive terrorist. Of hundreds, thousands of people have died from terrorist attacks and through rockets being shot a- across into their country, and they want to defend it. Now, I don't know all the details, and we likely never will, but we have to respect that there are people who do know more than I would know, obviously, and they would be able to feel this is the best way to handle this situation. And all we can do here in Lexington, Kentucky, in this situation, is follow our Bibles and pray for those people over there. So we're going to read this passage, Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities. Since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God, so then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. So if we oppose God's, if we oppose authority, you're, you're opposing the Lord. Now there's a difference between opposing something and disagreeing with it. You might completely disagree with what you're doing, but for the sake of civilization, you just have to do it. There's things, some things we are forced to do. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. This is why it's important that we have godly people. You want to be, when you vote, when you go to the polls in three weeks and vote, you want to make sure, am I voting for someone that at least appears like their life and they would support lines up closest to this Bible? Do they have a a Christian Judeo worldview of the world? Do they see things according to what God would say? Those are the type of candidates and type of people you want governing you. Otherwise, you, you will end up with all sorts of different variety folks. It goes on to say, Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. But it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. Meaning, the state has the ability to you know, execute. There's a reason they carry a gun and carry a knife and have executions. If you commit a crime, you are expected. Yes, Jesus will forgive you. Yes, the Lord will absolutely forgive you of that sin, and you can be restored and be in right relationship with the Lord, but you will still likely have to pay the cost Here on earth, there's a consequence for our actions. For it is God's servants, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Meaning, through God, that man who's seeking justice is actually doing the right thing. God is a God of justice. So when a wrong has been committed, when there is a victim, when a family is hurting because a loved one lost their life, that detective... That prosecutor, they're doing the right thing. That attorney saying, you know, we need to find out the truth here. They're doing this on behalf of the Lord. Therefore, verse 5, 
you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants continually attending to these tasks. And this is hard for us because many times we see how our tax dollars are spent and we think this is the most wasteful spending in the world. And governments are really good at waste, wasteful spending. That's what they do. They waste money. And they, they, if you, they just can't manage, seem to manage it very well whatsoever. And, it's, and we, again, all we can do in many ways is vote, contact whoever our elected representatives, and pray. That's literally, our hands are tied. We honor the Lord. We realize government is an institution by the Lord to create peace and freedom so that we can freely tell people about Jesus. We want, to have, we want to have governments, democracies, that allow freedom so that missionaries and the gospel can advance. A lot of these countries over in the Middle East, these are closed countries. There are extremely few Bible-believing Christians in Gaza. Very few in Lebanon. Lebanon's turned into a terrorist, terrorist state. By Iran, Hezbollah. Same with Syria. Iran has great influence there. Iran has very few Christians. There's just not very many believers. They don't allow churches to be built. And what happens is there's such few believers over there because they are closed countries. They're not open whatsoever to the gospel. Our prayer is God somehow will use the tragedy of this possible war, what's already occurred, for people to their eyes to be open to the truth. Our heart burdens many of these people, if not the vast majority, including our Jewish friends, if they die in this upcoming war, they are going to hell. They do not have Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They are not believers in Christ. And in our prayer is that somehow, Lord, you will use this for your, your will, your gospel to go out. Verse 7, last verse here, then we're going to, I'm going to look at a verse up on the screen. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. That means if there's something we owe to people, we are to be expected to pay it. And that includes uh, respect. The Bible teaches us that we are to pay our respect and we're to pay our honor even to our governmental leaders, even to people who we don't agree with. One single thing they do, Christ is calling us. We can vote for someone else, but for they're in the position now. God has them in this position. We pay our respect. Up here on the screen, I want to show you one final verse from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul, Paul wrote this to young Pastor Timothy, and he's teaching him about prayer. And he's reminding them about praying for people who are in authority. It's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. So Paul's saying, there's all these people, and you need to be praying for all different types of people. And you see the different types of prayer. If you go back to that verse, I want to look at verse 1 again. Petitions. That means we petition the Lord. We ask the Lord, Lord, please do this in our life. Let's go back to uh, verse 1. We'll go back to that very first verse. So that word is petition. This is, th- these are different types of prayers. 
So you make a petition to the Lord. You're making a prayer, an intercession. Intercessory prayer is praying for someone else. And it says thanksgiving, meaning we thank the Lord for what He has done. And then He lists the different types of people He's talking about. And then we get to verse 2. It says, for kings, that means those who are over us, those would be elected officials. Back in Bible times, they didn't have elected officials like we have. It wasn't a democracy where everybody could vote. You had a king that lived over you. And all those who are in authority, so those would be some type of military leaders, people who we're paying our taxes to. Why? So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Meaning, we should not be known a tranquil and quiet life, we should be known for our relationship with the Lord, not known to be a rebel in and out of jail all the time as someone who's always in trouble with the law. That's not God's plan for us to just be somebody who's constantly getting in trouble, breaking the law. We're not known to be a lawbreaker. If you're going to break the law, the only law you need to break is somebody tells you you can't make a stand and be bold for Jesus Christ. That would be an honorable law. To break because God's law comes above man's law and, and standing for the Lord Peter and or uh, John and Peter were told never again do not speak in the name of Jesus and they said we can't we must continue speaking in the name of Jesus they had to obey God the book of Acts chapter 4 tells us rather than men God comes above men but in areas of taxes and areas of so many parts of government that we there's not really a moral decision about how to build a road and how to fund certain things we just we just have to pray for the lord's will to be done and trust what god's going to do so we look at this passage here about how do we respond to war it all goes back to how we look at our government we have to recognize the government's first and foremost important role is to make sure that people aren't killing one another. That's why. So when a country like Israel has a terrorist attack that killed almost 1,400 people two, 15 days ago on that Saturday, uh, October 7th, we know that they have a responsibility as a nation to go and execute justice for those families and for those people who lost their life. And that's what they're doing right now. Now, is it, do you want this to break out into a massive regional world war over this one issue? No. Could it? Yes. And that's why we as believers, God's people need to be praying, says, Lord, what happened was uh, tragic and terrible. But Lord, we trust that you are in control of this situation, of whatever happens. We don't know all the details. All we can do is be ready to stand on your word, whatever happens. Folks, this could even bring in the end times. Remember last Sunday night, what I preached on? The two main things that are going to happen in the end times. You're going to see the third temple be built where the Dome of the Rock is located, and you're going to see a peace treaty with Israel. Those are the two clues. And right now, people are talking about peace with Israel. doesn't look very peaceful right now, but the peace treaty with Israel will be brokered by the Antichrist. He's the one who's going to do it. So one day if we turn on our news and there's a peace treaty being brokered right there with, the, with Israel, right now they have no peace treaties, it seems like. Uh, there, there are constant battles going on. 
And right now, there's no third temple being built because the Dome of the Rock is standing where it's supposed to be. But if a, one of these wild missiles hits the Dome of the Rock, and then they're building up, Jew, the Jews take over that spot and say, we're going to put our building there and say, your building, you know, we're living in the end times. You need to be ready for the rise of the Antichrist, and very quickly, Jesus is going to be coming back. And that was quoted by the Lord. And Jesus quoted that as his sign and based in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. He said that was going to happen. And he was quoting Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. These are clues for us about so much of the end times will actually be tied up with what happens in Israel. And Israel is among their biggest wars probably since their country's ever existed, at least since the second time, since 1948. I mean, here they are, 70 years, a little over 70 years later, and they are facing a major threat to their existence. But we as Christians, we are aware that God instituted government. We, we want to be faithful in praying for our government and uh, su- supporting our government, supporting the response to this. And as Christians, we need to have our Bible verses and understand these passages we just read that in many ways... All we can do is cry and call out to the Lord. God, I thank you for us being able to be here on Sunday night, studying your word. Lord, I thank you for the institution of government. Lord, in many of us, we have become so cynical about government, how corrupt it has become, and how silly and goofy it is as well. But Lord, we know it's actually a serious matter that, Lord, you could actually, uh, these circumstances going on right now could even lead to the end times. And we need to be ready. We need to be ready to stand for you, to stand for the truth, because the Bible teaches that it won't be just Israel. They'll turn against the Jews and turn against Christians. And we as believers need to be ready to stand on your word. Help us focus solely on you. Lord, I thank you for your word. And we just pray for our our president right now, President Biden, as he's faced with many major decisions. We pray for our um, Senate and our Congress as they make Uh, decisions about how much money to spend and pray for our pentagon leaders as they make military strategy we pray for benjamin netanyahu there in israel as he is trying to he has missiles all around him pointed at him and he is as as a world leaders trying to defend his nation and seek revenge on this uh, massive attack that occurred on him and lord we just pray for the people who were trapped in gaza and that aren't even allowed to receive any type of help Lord, it's such a desperate and dire situation. Lord, we pray whatever happens this next week, Lord, that your will will be done, and Lord, you will just, uh, it will be a time that we just turn to you. And I pray that if war does break out, there will be spiritual revival that occurs in our land. And Lord, I just thank you for bringing us here to Sunday Night Church, and thank you for speaking to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have our invitation response. We're going to stand together. Gene, what song are we singing? Whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. Let's stand together. I'll be standing up front. If you want to make a decision this evening, I'll stand out front and you come take my hand.